Hey, how's it going, Champagne Sharks? Hello, hello. What's everyone doing? How's everyone doing? Where's everyone doing it? I'm guessing you're all doing it at home because there's a lot of COVID out there, but this is T. Uh, you can find me, you can find the show at patreon.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. Want to do some quick house cleaning. Uh, first off, we have different tiers now. We have a $5 tier. Then we have a $10 tier, which is uh, for people who just really like the show a lot and want to give us extra support. That was actually by popular demand. A lot of people have said that they wanted to give more money, but there was a weird thing on Patreon, apparently, where if you just create your own custom amount above the $5, it would like not give you the benefits or there was some kind of weird workaround you had to do. So people were like, hey, I tried to give you some extra money. And then when I did it, it uh, booted me out of the benefits. So we had to create like a special tier for people who just want to show extra appreciation. So one of the things that we offered people was a shout out if they upgraded to the $10 tier. So basically you can just go to your benefits and you know, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. If you're already a $5 member and just upgrade there if you want. And if you're not a member already, then by all means, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks, become a member, get access to the back episodes, uh, new episodes, voice in discord chat server, show notes, newsletter. Uh, we have one about Kamala Harris uh, coming up. That is uh, going to be pretty good and thorough. But anyway, we promised a shout out to the people who paid extra. One of y'all sent me, I can't remember how you sent it to me. I don't know if it was by email, Patreon message. Like nowadays, there's so many ways for people to reach you. But I cannot, I'm looking and I cannot find out. I cannot find this message. But one of you wanted a specific shout out. I don't remember who you were. I cannot find find the specific way you wanted to shout out. So unfortunately, I'm just going to shout you out the name your the way your name appears on the Patreon thing. So yeah, so shout out to Miles Curtis. Shout out to Kamaria Kerma, David Gillespie, Arnie. That's that's the name they put down. Skinner Myers, John Donahoe, Kane Sherlock. Kane Sherlock's a cool name. It sounds like, like a British detective or something or agent. Uh, Golda Rufio, Alex Haggis. Jamal S, Demetrius Hill, Incognito, I love that. Uh, Adidas Elitis, Bernard Scott, Mark Mayerson, Leo, Erder Manager, Erder Manager, if I'm pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. Byungsa, Andrew Fultz Morrison, Champagne Communist, Okasha Musa, thanks so much. And the artist formerly known as uh, Real No Deuces until he got banned from Twitter. So now he's Jabber Hunky. Uh, spelled h-o-n-k-e-y so it's j-a-b-b-e-r-h-o-n-k-e-y i believe on on twitter yeah but thanks all of y'all for um upgrading appreciate it and yeah we're gonna add some more tiers with some more uh cool stuff we'll probably do that within the next week so keep an eye out out for that and no last thing we have merchandise if you go to redbubble.com search for Champagne Sharks, you'll see all the different mugs and pins and stickers and iPad and iPhone cases and stuff like that. It's pretty cool stuff. We also have a um, face masks, Champagne Sharks face masks, but we make no money on those. Those we're selling at cost. So basically, for those, whatever Redbubble charges us uh, to make them uh, is what we charge you. So that we felt like was kind of weird to make money on. We didn't want to make money off of uh, COVID, but... Um, yeah, everything else we do, we do make money on. But I mean, get the champagne trucks face mask anyway. Stay safe and be a walking billboard for the show. We appreciate that. And without further ado, here's our guest, uh, M2 Megan. What's up? What's up, everybody? How y'all doing? 
Yeah, so uh, M. Tume has has joined the. Um, he's crossed over to the dark side, and he's become a podcast. <laughs> he's, he's become a podcaster. Yeah. So so now he's one of now he's one of us. He's he's yes. He's a hot mess now. He's, it's, it's, he's a different, it's, it's, it's all y'all fault too. It really is. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm blaming all of y'all. You people from Plan A, my homies Zebras in America. It's all y'all fault. Yeah, podcasting is like a drug. Like people, it's, it's like it vampirism. So, you know, somebody infects somebody, and then someone else infects someone else, and it just keeps uh, spreading. Like uh-huh. when I when I appeared on Chapel, that's what uh, made me catch the bug, and I think I've spread it uh, to other people as well. So yeah, to quite yeah, a few I, folks. Yeah, man, I'm uh, you, you you you've had quite an influence, and I say this actually in a positive, like all, all jokes aside, you, you've had a positive influence. I I feel I don't know any I don't know if anyone who's leading to more podcasts in the world can be said to have a positive influence, but uh, <laughs> I, I like to I like to think so. I like to think but so. I would say good podcasts. You know, it, it was balancing a lot of um, bad stuff that's out there. You know, like there's come on. so much bad stuff, dude. Dude, you know what happened? I forgot how this happened. But oh yeah, I remember how this happened. I wanted to. I'll try and think of podcasts outside of my comfort zone to invite guests from. You know, mm. I was like, "What's like if I just go for podcasts that I listen to or whatever? I'm gonna get the kind of same kind of guests over and over again, which is fine with me. But I, I kind of want to challenge myself. So I said, "Let me see what podcasts like people outside of like you know." The black podcasting scene or the leftist podcasting scene or the arts podcasting scene, Brooklyn podcasting. Yeah. Let me see what other people are into. Maybe give me some guest ideas of people to invite. So I I downloaded like the Stitcher charts and the Apple's charts and the Spotify charts. And man, people love shitty podcasts. I had no idea. Like, um... Joe Rogan is like number one on almost all the lists. And I have to say, seriously, Joe Rogan was by far, for all the flack he gets, he's by far the best podcast on the top 20 uh, list across most uh, podcast lists. It's, yeah. Uh, even, something, even something like Chapo, which uh, I think is a pretty good podcast, and I think of it as very popular, it doesn't crack like those those lists. It's is it, it's uh, is it, it's still considered pretty niche, even though they, they, it has a, a huge base. I'm asking. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. It's it's wow. considered pretty. It's considered pretty niche as far as like listens and downloads. I mean, they make a lot of money, but as far as like, I guess they have an extra rabid base. But as far as because you know, most of the other things they don't really have Patreons or whatever. They're just slate slate podcast, New York Times podcast, NPR podcast, Vox podcast, and they go off of ads and they just have a huge huge listener base and they're so it's kind of like when you look at to me it's to me it's kind of like when you look at the tv list and when you look at the tv list and if you go on twitter or go to like the so-called intellectuals or elites you think everyone's watching hbo watchmen everyone's watching girls everyone's watching mad men or whatever the new uh uh critic critical darling show right um there is but then when you look at the actual uh, ratings lists. It's like four versions of NCIS. Right. Five, five sh- Chicago shows like Chicago Med, Chicago, and like, and like the Big Bang Theory, right? <laughs> yeah, Big <laughs> Bang Theory. Um, ha- ha- um, what's that? What's the other one with uh, Charlie Sheen? Uh, three and a half, two and a half, two and a half men. Yeah, exactly. That, that used to crush it. That used yeah, to crush it. Yeah, I yeah, didn't so realize that show was that popular till like I, I had read it. He was like the highest paid guy on TV for a while, and I was like, that show is that popular? It That's was like number one. It was literally number one for a yeah. while. And and I don't know anyone who talks about it, anyone who watches it. You know, I used to watch that show with my mom. I was very really? surprised. 
My mom would watch it. But once you get retired, you start doing weird things. So I think there's also like shows like that, like like Two and a Half Men. You know, it's a different. It's a. It's a. I feel like people watch those shows because they they go quickly. They don't have to really pay attention. They're like they're like decompression shows. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you just had a long day working wherever you were, and you just throw on Two and a Half Men, and it's just, it just ha- it, it goes it goes quickly, and that's what it is. That's Netflix. Totally Netflix now. is that for people who have 10 hours at a time uh, <laughs> yes. to waste. Yeah. You know, so instead of like a half hour, an hour after work, it's like, hey, I'm a student and I have like 10 hours to kill. Netflix, you could write a paper. Well, like uh, somebody told me that uh, they, gave, they gave me a good idea on Twitter. They said that they think Netflix should rename themselves and call themselves second screen because <laughs> you always have a first that's screen amazing. on. I was like, that's a great idea. Like, actually, it was like they should lean into it. The fact that um, Netflix is made to be watched with the second screen, either because you're typing something, you're doing a paper, you're doing your taxes, you're on social media. Yeah, I'm like, that's a great idea. Like, like sell it as a strength. I started doing mindfulness uh, meditation, uh, Buddhist meditation. I hate saying mindfulness. I I feel like that's just a way to secularize it. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's really Buddhist meditation. But I've gotten to the habit of saying mindfulness unfortunately i gotta break that but and one of the things that they tell you to do is if you do one thing just do that alone so i've been trying to do things like when i walk have have your earphones plugged in or if i read just read if watch tv just watch tv and i have to say with netflix it has been exceedingly challenging like i started it when i was watching movies i was going to this movie yeah um and with movies, I kind of forgot, especially old movies, that like movies are kind of meant to be, you know, seen with undivided attention. And the way that they are, if you don't watch them with undivided attention, it takes like five hours to watch the movie because you have to yeah. keep stopping and rewinding and, and stuff. So, um, yeah, because mo- movies are, are heavily sensory. So it's like it's not yeah. just your eyes. It's actually your ears, your the vibration. So it, it, I think people forget that sometimes. That's why movie theaters are so powerful, because it's not just because, you know, the door is locked, but it's so all encompassing. So yeah, it, it's for- like, it forces you mm-hmm. to um, be immersed. Like, like yeah. you can't uh, look at other things even if you want to. Right. And you know, what, you know what else is cool with movie with, with, with movies, especially um older movies is that there's this like nobody was really planning on a sequel really most of the time uh now people like launch movies hoping to get not even trilogies anymore but they're hoping to get like five seven oh yeah movies so like movies now franchise basically like yeah franchise movies now are basically like tv series basically that's totally. the way they're, they're thought of at the, at the inception. They're not even trilogies anymore. Like, you know, whereas before, you know, you just want to make one good movie. And I think when you have two hours that you're going to do, it's like doing a it's like doing a portrait, a painting versus producing a daily comic strip. If you're producing a daily comic strip, just the sheer volume of every day, I got to grind out and get three panels out in the newspaper. No one panel is really going to be treated like a work of art. Like, you know, you're going to try to tell yeah. an engaging story. You're going to try to draw well, but, you know, no one panel is really going to be poured over as opposed to a painting the person just keeps revisiting the painting they don't have to uh release something every week you know um you can really create things to be experienced in their fullness like this is a perfect shot this is the perfect sequence in the editing room you're constantly creating something and when you absorb it it's it's very much like absorbing um a painting whereas tv i feel like is just by the nature of it and the sheer 
quantity of stuff that you have to do and, and the deadlines that you have every now and then you know somebody might plan like a great shot or a great set piece but uh 80 of it is going to be um getting to the next scene getting the story out you know setting up yeah. uh the the next thing so like all those things made it so that when i was watching movies i was like oh this this mindful thing is not as hard as i thought it would be you know like this, this is not hard to immerse myself in 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 this and then you know i felt great but then uh for show purposes i've been i've been playing the series of watching emmy nominated shows and i was gonna have a different guest on to talk about different shows and i started with hollywood which is on netflix yeah and i just forgot how hard it is to watch netflix with undivided attention like it's in it's there's nothing there you have to watch it with something else it's it's i'll be real the only netflix series that i ever finished was the luke cage series and even that like i really powered through it like i i like that dragged that dragged. I, i pushed myself but every other netflix series i've attempted i've never finished like i didn't i didn't finish the first season of she's gotta have it i tried orange is the new black i couldn't i couldn't do i think more than like three three episodes i i consistently stop netflix series because i i have a weird thing with the do you whole, watch them do you watch them engage or do you watch them i try to engage like i'm the kind of person See, that's I, why that, i think no why. and i agree with you i i think i'm I, i'm weird i i i i have i feel guilty watching anything passively like i have very few yeah. things like i think the only thing i can put in the background is sports you know what i'm saying like i can i can have my baseball game or my basketball game kind of running or maybe the news like when i when i used to watch tv news but i don't really do it anymore i, I could run that passively but like active things I, I i find hard to watch like half half attention wise yeah you know yeah. it's just hard and, for and, me i feel guilty doing it and i don't think it's even like a bug i think it's a feature i think they make that stuff to be i totally um, agree with you when you you yeah, said I, I, you said you said that to me before and i never thought about it until i started watching it again and i said i don't really think they care i think they want to find any way that people can just watch it because they know they, they have too much content how could anyone watch all that content but also i don't think they, they, i think it's not even that they don't care i think they do care as in i think they actually care and that they want you to watch it while doing something else and what i mean by that is like like don't care is like hey watch it engaged or watch it not engaged we don't care i think that they're not even at that level i think they're like if you watch this fully engaged we've done something wrong we want you on another screen and i think the reason for that is because they want you tweet like they want the shows to be influenced influencerish they they want them to be like viral so I think yeah. they actually, like, I don't know, I, I've noticed this, this, and I think we've spoken about this, about how there's times you watch shows and, you know, like, like I said, unlike movies, I don't feel like most of the time they're crafting great set pieces or whatever. Mm-hmm. Occasionally they do, but just by the nature of the beast, they're mostly just grinding and just trying to set up the next episode and, and just move the plot along. Uh, for the season and then occasionally they get to indulge themselves like game of thrones would occasionally every couple of episodes or, or once a season have that great battle that you tell that, yeah. that that was where all the work was done uh, but the rest of the time was just oh you know what it is communicating information to the plot that's what like 90 percent of tv really yeah, it's, is it's just, information dumps yeah it is it's all it yeah is. It, it's, just, it's just information dumps that's what uh, most of it is and setting up uh the stories and whatever as opposed to like uh creating a painting and um but i i feel like with uh netflix and that type of stuff they you could tell like they'll do certain things that 
okay, they want it to be uh, a Tumblr GIF that that shippers uh, post up. So you know there'll yeah. be some kind of line or some kind of uh, forlorn stare between two leads, and you know that's that's clearly meant to be GIFed uh, and, and tweeted. Or uh, Game of Thrones was having that a lot too near the end. You know when it became like a more of a social media digested yeah. show than the early seasons, you could tell they were doing a lot of things to um like like, like the whole Arya kills the. Night King oh, thing, gosh. I think was very was very meant to be shared on social social media. Well, the, well, was- well, there was even this this thought about. Remember when they had the whole moments about the water bottle uh, being in Game of Thrones, and they were saying, "Oh, Game of Thrones really has fallen off because of their production designers are even so lazy. They forgot to, and their you know their editors are so lazy they haven't even noticed there was like a, a water bottle left on set." And me and some other people were like, "No, I think they left that on purpose because." Yep. Because look, story. let's look how easy it is to now digitize that out. Like it's so easy. Like like a, 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 a little fifteen year old kid in in Kansas can do that. Can digit digitally t- take that out. So so to think that they went through all those handlers and no one noticed, and they decided to like leave it in just because they were lazy. No, they left it in because they knew people would talk about it. It would literally make people go log into HBO and go, oh my god, let me see if this is really real. It is. It's all yep. a ploy. And and also, I think people will want to tune in and see if, if it happens again. You know, stuff, yeah. Stuff like that. And, and you know, it's funny what you said about like the whole thing about memeable stuff and and being able to talk about. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot, and we've talked about this before, probably. But that's a feature I think in modern popular you know narrative in general. You see it in the movies. So I think your theory is on point. These TV shows, um, th- they think that they're. So I, I'll flip it. I know a few people who've been on TV shows, like friends of mine who have been like on major character on TV shows. And something that gets written into their contract is to be so- socially media available, right? Mm-hmm. So tweet so tweet the night that the show is premiering, right? Like, you know, the show we're going to talk about, uh, uh, P-Valley, it's interesting. I went on Twitter and I saw Katori Hall talks about it. I'm sure that's in her contract. Like, she's not just doing it because she wants to do it and I want to promote my show. No, she's. I'm sure she's actually getting money for, from it. It has to become a part of people's revenue stream. And because the TV shows do this because they believe that their their life on social media is probably more important than anything. So, of course, they're going to be tailoring the shows to social media, meaning what's easily tweetable, what's easily memeable, what's easily Facebook, you know, Book bookable, if that if, if that's the word, you know. Yeah, I try to know what you mean. It, it's totally deliberate, and I I think I think you're spot on with that. And and I guess in turn, that's the reason why I can't watch it. I'm trying to immerse in the TV show, and they're so scattershot that I can't I can't put 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 my feet down and watch anything from Netflix. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you one that I tried to immerse myself in, and it was really bad. And then I I tried to watch it distractedly, and it was hard to even get through distractedly, like Umbrella. Academy. Mm. That was a terrible. That one should have been people seem, And people seem to love that, which is so. I haven't watched it. People seem to Yo, love it. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, man. I think there's a lot of what I call free floating stand energy. Like people, <laughs> you know, people have free floating anxiety. We just have this kind of anxiety that just mm-hmm. exists. And they don't even know what it is, and they're just looking for things to attach it to. Like, yeah. like, this, like it's it's different than like regular stress. Like regular stress is like, okay, my job has me stressed, but if I do these four things and I get ahead, the stress kind of goes down because I've taken care of those things. Whereas, like with anxiety, when the free floating anxiety, there's not really anything you can do. 
because it's just kind of ever present and it's just like always there. I think people like that with standing, like they just have yeah. the stand energy, they just need something to stand. So like even from the first season of Umbrella Academy, like it was up for like seventy two hours. And people online were acting like they were lifelong fans. I'm like, it used to take a while to become this level of stand about anything. I There's saw no that with Ar- Orange is the New Black. I remember when Orange is the New Black started, and it was just like, oh, my God. Like, I just, I'm, I'm so in love. This is the great. I'm like, this thing came on two days ago. Like, come yeah. on, dude. You, you can't act like you watch it like MacGyver. Like, this has no, you don't know if it has staying power. No one really talks about Orange is the New Black now, now that it's been no, off. No, no one talks about it. You know what was really bad with? Uh, shipping. Like, you know, yeah. you know, like, okay, this show's only been on. For, for like you're like two episodes into the show and you're so engaged in these two characters getting together like 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 before you used to actually have to build a relationship with the show to get that devoted to it people just come in yeah. ready like like if you notice no one talks about being a fan anymore it's either you're a hater or a stan there's no yeah. middle ground like like standing is now the only way to be a fan for um a certain generation of people it's Let's true because quit- it because if you act like you're like mi- middle of something they get mad at you you know what i'm saying oh, like oh, I yeah sub- you might as well hate it <laughs> I told someone, I was like, yeah, you like Game of Thrones? I mean, yeah, I'll watch it. What's your problem, man? I was like, dude, like, chill chill out, homie. Like, I just don't feel it like that, but I watch it. <laughs> it, it, it happens both ways. Like, like what happens now is because everyone is either a stan or a hater, and that's the only thing you can be. Yeah. If you're in the middle, both of them project on you. So, yeah. so, 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 so the, st- so the stands would be like, you know, they'll act like you being in the middle. Like, you know, I like it. I watch it, but I'm just a fan. I'm not, a, I'm not a stan. Yeah. You, you might as well say, look, I wipe my ass pictures of the cast you know I, I i take enemas and just squirt it at the at the screen whenever it's whenever it's on that's how much yeah. i hate it you know and then and on the other end the people who hate it they'll be like oh man you you, you love that shit like you, you, like, you like that you like that nah not really <laughs> exactly totally it's like that you're like I, I had something like that with a movie once i was like yeah i went and saw it i mean you ended at i mean i went and saw it i just went and saw it it's all that happened like but you know it's like with everything now like i was on uh twitter and i posted the other day i was like uh there was this pic there was this video of uh, mindy kaling with uh kamala harris and in it kamala harris was kind of done up and you know she wasn't dressed like a bank manager like she usually dressed like yeah and i was like yo it's kind of interesting that you know i've seen people thirst over all these candidates from tulsi gabbard you know paul ryan i even saw people thirsting over amy klobuchar i thought like i find it interesting that um Kamala's like an objectively attractive woman, an older attractive woman, mm-hmm. and no one ever talks about her in a sexual way. Like, like no one talks about her like, like like she's like the the brown girl snack, you know, the same yeah. way you do for like Tulsi Gabbard. And then uh, people were going, "Oh man, you're thirsting! Oh, oh this guy's thirsting over Kamala Harris." And I'm like, "No, there's a range. There's a range between you know thirsting and finding someone disgusting. Like you can't say anything." positive or negative without it becoming one extreme or the other nowadays yeah that's the only way people process anything yeah and i i wonder if it's well no it's probably uh we we have we we have a binary culture you know democrat republican a lot of other things binary so there is no middle grounds right you know like it's either you're either us us us, uh with us or against us you know and yeah and 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 you and you're with us like a kamikaze pilot you know or or, or you're you're against us like hitler yeah those are the only only ways you can be with us or yeah yeah against us you're going down with the ship or you're yeah uh taking everybody out one one or the other yeah um the reason 
I wanted to have you on today is because we talk about black movies and black TV a lot and the state of it. Yeah. I kind of wanted to find like a middle brow show because because I because I feel like that's the real good way to compare because because I feel like things like insecure and stuff like that that are trying to be uh, kind of prestige TV or yeah. be a quote unquote voice of a generation that's not really a fair thing to compare with a say Moesha or compared to uh, Jefferson. And I feel like that's been most of not just black TV, but most TV in general has been mostly uh, middle ground. So I feel like it's kind of like a apples and oranges thing uh, to only focus on the things that are trying to, you know, be be uh, highbrow. And I feel like the show that uh, I asked you to watch today uh, is a pretty middle, middle brow show, even though I think some critics are trying to write about it. Like it's a a highbrow thing. I think it's pretty solidly um, mid, middle brow or some metal drama. I think that has to do with who the creator is. More yeah, than exactly, and, and also how she looks. She just has that. Hey, hey, we have to listen to her kind yeah, of look. Totally, that is very popular. She has that kind of. Hey, hey, using the word shea butter kind of sounds disparaging, but right. she has that 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 look. Natural hair and dark skin and just like, just like this this kind of look that is very very popular and. She writes about topics like sex work and colorism and all this stuff that's just yeah. very popular. And think piece, she looks like a think piece writer. That's what that's what I should say. She has a think piece writer kind kind of look. Uh, Katori Hall, and the show is yeah. P Valley. Yeah, I don't know much about Katori Hall, and I'm, I'm 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 gonna say I don't know much about her. You usually know more about industry stuff. Than I I, do. I know I know her so. I- I admittedly have not seen one of her plays. I have I have known her name though for quite a while. She's a Katori Hall for those who don't know is a playwright. Well, she's a writer, a dramatic writer. Um the journalist, I would say where you said she's like a think piece writer, I think is spot on because she does write journalism pieces from what I've I Oh, does I, she? Okay. She has. Yeah. I I haven't um I was planning on looking at more, but I caught more of her interviews uh, where where she's being interviewed rather than interviews she's conducted or journalistic pieces she's conducted um but she's a playwright uh juilliard playwright uh uh and i know she also went to a couple of the other like big like i think she studied acting as well um you know she's and and she's been known in the theater a lot the last like decade her name has kind of gone around um it's interesting i didn't realize um that P Valley was made into a play that I actually I did hear about because my friend Nico Anon, who's actually in the show, I went to college with Nico, is is in the show and he was also in the play version of it, which was actually called Pussy Valley. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw that. I was trying to get my hands on a uh copy, a copy of, the of script, it, yeah. A copy of the script so that I can compare and I cannot find a copy of the script. I don't uh, think that play anywhere. from from my recollection, it, it played it did it, it, it worked regional but it wasn't one of her bigger pieces she did a piece about um that's on that was on broadway about uh mlk uh, i know sam jackson and angela bassett were in it uh she had another big piece and she's definitely one of these uh playwrights along with um what's her name uh who won oh gosh uh i'm, I'm forgetting names right now i shouldn't be forgetting names she's definitely one of, she's one she's one of, she's one of the playwrights uh bl- new like are you, thinking, are, are you thinking of the one that that did the uh temptations one? Oh well she's one uh dominique morisau is one of them i'm yeah. thinking of the one who also wrote she's gotta have she wrote on she wrote on she's gotta have it um the the, the the series what's her name um lynn, lynn nottage 
Oh, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen that name. Yeah, does, does she does she pronounce her name Dominique Morisau, or is that how you pronounce it? I probably, I might, I might, I might, I might be messing it up. Okay, or okay, Dominique, oh, oh, Dominique, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh no, no! It's usually it's usually um Moriso. Moriso. I don't know. I, I was probably wrong. It's probably Moriso. Yes, you're probably right. Okay, I was just I was just wondering. If she because yeah. people people do change pronunciations. Like like yeah. W E B Du Bois. You know, it's supposed to be yeah. Du Bois, but, but he know. does Du Bois. Du Bois. So I was just wondering. I, I was wondering if she did that. Uh, herself, I'm pretty sure. Or, I'm pretty sure it's what is what is 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 is, is what, what 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 you're saying. But um. Okay. But yeah, but, but Dominique, yeah, like they're like amongst that kind of you know new class of playwrights. Um, I would even think like. Like, you know, like a Jeremy O'Hare is kind of new. Like these, they, these, these playwrights have kind of been cutting their teeth for like over a mm-hmm. decade. You're talking like, you're talking like 10, 15 years um, of them being known, um, which is interesting. And I know, I know, at least in Dominique's case, she's been kind of like working in TV for a long time as well. So this is, you know, you're seeing them trying to tra- uh, transition in, into television. But yeah, she's a, Katori Hall's a name. If you, if you pay attention to like New York theater, period like black or white you know her name i'm gonna say this i don't know if it's because i had lowered expectations because when i saw it i thought it was going to be a kind of a different kind of show i thought it was going to be like there was a show i tried to watch because people were talking about it on twitter a lot it was called queen sugar oh yeah and man th- that uh-uh. show was just way too melodramatic and terrible to me that's the, that, like, that's like, the show that avery duvernay produced right yeah I thought it's it was, I thought of, was terrible. I watched, I oh, couldn't even terrible. finish an episode. It was so bad. I couldn't finish an episode. And um, what I call messy Twitter loves that show. Like uh, black people who just like anything messy. Yeah. So, you know, you know, I think there's a lot of melodrama and people sleeping with people. And, you know, I, I, I think what also kind of like bothered me early in Queen Sugar was I could definitely, I am I, of the opinion that Ava DuVernay has like really messy black class politics. Mm-hmm. And I could, I could see see them all within the show like even within like 20 minutes and i was like i'm not gonna go down this trip with her man because her all her, all, all her stuff is like stinking up the joint already and i just can't sit yeah with her. yeah yeah and, and speaking of speaking of which i, I don't want to get on too much of a tangent but i think like it's a good point uh she this is she says something pretty horribly classist uh Ooh, today yeah 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 totally yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, she her uh her her little like speech about uh Kamala Harris, where she's—I <laughs> I don't know if it was a—did a, a, she say it in an interview? I—I've I, been seeing people like, uh, like take like they've like screenshot or they've like JPEGed it as text. I don't know uh, where um, she said this, it. This is this is a post, and I think it's. I think it's her. I think it's her Instagram. It the that's font what, and everything. Maybe looks that's like what Instagram. it must be. It must be Instagram. And it says twenty hours ago. Oh, hold on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I can check for sure to see. Um, whatever this account is, it's an account. It's an account that is um just A V A. And I and I know I know that's not her I think, Twitter. Her oh, it's, it's not. It, no, I'm pretty sure. Then that probably is her Instagram. I think I was wondering when so when people get things like that, do they buy them? Like like how does she get A V A? You would think. That would be taken pretty early. Maybe, maybe she, she probably buys it, or, or, or I, wonder, I wonder if because she's a blue check, she can bump you. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if that. I wonder if that happens. Blue check yeah. bump. <laughs> yeah, you've been you've been bumped. Some some blue check wants your uh wants wants your name. Uh, yeah, but I'm looking at Instagram, and sure enough, it does. Oh, she's she's doing a lot. 
She's doing a lot. Um, yeah, I, f- I found it right here. It, it is her IG. Yeah, what? Like, there is no debate anymore. There's no room for it in my book. I mean, I don't know. Should I should I read this whole thing? Or oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. Please yeah. read it. So, Ava DuVernay, there is no debate anymore. There is no room for it in my book. We either make this happen or literally more of us perish. People are dying. Some I love died. The virus is real. If it hasn't visited your doorstep, it will. That's fucked up. Oh, but Kamala did this or she didn't do that. I hear you. (laughs) I know. And I don't care. Because what she didn't do is abandon citizens in a pandemic, rip babies from their mother's arms at the border, send federal troops to terrorize protesters, manufacture new ways to suppress black and brown votes, actively disrespect indigenous people and land, traffic in white supremacist rhetoric in an effort to stir racist violence at every turn, attempt to dismantle most American democratic systems of checks and balance, degrade women all day, every day, infect, infect the Supreme Court with another misogynistic misogynist hack, demolish America standing on climate, actively cultivating further white supremacist structures and systems across all aspects of American daily life. I mean, that's what she didn't do. So I don't want to hear anything bad about her. It doesn't matter to me. Vote them in and let's hold them accountable. First off, that's just a load of shit. Vote them in and then let's hold them accountable. I don't, in what I don't, universe does that work? I don't Reward understand them this. first, then punish them. Do you know, do you know how we're going to punish this person for how they fucked up the black community? This is what we're going to do. We're going to give them the job that they <laughs> exactly. want more than anything. And then hold yeah, them yeah. accountable. Yeah, yeah, that's really gonna that's really gonna punish them. Can you can you push it? That doesn't even work with kids, you know. You can push it like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna give you what you want. You're gonna go on that trip, even though you would misbehave. Yeah, but man, I'm really gonna glare at you the whole time on Facetime. You <laughs> well, know, when, I don't, when you go on that trip, and I don't, I don't, I, I, I need someone to show me proof of when we've been able to hold them accountable once they're in office. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm hearing that line a lot like, oh, what we have to do is pressure them when they're in office. I, how does that look? Like, I, I, I don't understand that as a, as, as a tactic. It's like people come up with these new um, thought experiments and they treat them like they're actual facts. And I'm like, I don't see that as fact. That has not been something that I've ever like known to be a, a working tactic. You know, let me, let me finish this. Anything other than that is insanity. It's ego. It's against our own interests. It's selfish. It's disrespectful to our elders. Ugh, that's annoying. It's an, it's not it's nonsense. It's talking to hear yourself talk. <laughs> Ironic. This is a matter of life or yeah, death. Exactly. We need all our energy focus. This is a fight for more than can be expressed here. <laughs> There is no debate anymore. Not for me anyway. Vote blue 2020. I guess, you know, and and she's somebody she's she's somebody she's somebody uh, that is she really likes. Actually, she's Ava on on Twitter, too. That's very interesting. She she must buy it because there's no way she's the first person to ever be AVA. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually, she should be something else. I think she used to have like initials or something after it. She definitely did. Did change it i'm pretty sure i don't think she was Avery before on, on twitter but she is a total votep like uh totally that that whole that whole ancestors thing is um it's, it's so it's so horrible and and this is um the definition of a votep from the first person i ever saw use it uh votep a person of african descent in america who only worships his or her ancestors through voting or only shows concern for his or her ancestors during election season 
For example, a voter will make statements like, our ancestors died for the right for you to vote, and you are shaming your ancestors by not voting. But we'll then consider voodoo, Ifa, and all other forms of ancestral worship evil just because <laughs> That's good. their misinformed pastor, imam, or parents told them so. I would have thrown in um, white people too. Yeah. Uh, someone else put Votep, judgmental person, usually of African-American descent, who only becomes indignantly civic-minded and temporarily active in social change during election time. Warning, this person is prone to shaming others who A, don't vote, B, vote third party, or C, vote against their favorite candidate. I just I just uh, tweeted those uh, screen caps of those definitions to Ava and called her a Votep. So I'm sure she's going to block me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm already blocked by Ava DuVernay. I mean, that's, yeah. she, 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 she blocked me when I made a I made a joke about. Um, well, I don't know. I, I had two tweets. I don't know. Maybe it was. It, 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 <laughs> she it, it blocks was, a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, she does block a lot of people. But I, I, I made I made an, a, a wrinkle in time joke that was like pretty, pretty, pretty weak. But then I had another one. Criticized. I think it was it was the Netflix criticism that that, that, that got me blocked. Her relation. She 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 stands for Netflix and, and their business practices really in a annoying way. It's kind of similar to this where she does a thing where and I don't like this is something that I I, I find highly disrespectful. So a group of people are telling you, black people are telling you they have a legitimate issue with something, and what you then do is say, oh, I don't care. Look at the bigger picture. It's about your ego and so forth and so on. And you totally dismiss them. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like to say, um, I don't care. Like, would you say that? To, say that to Jamal True Love? Like, would you actually say that to say that to his face? No, she wouldn't. Well, and if well, she well, would, well, 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 I don't think she would probably um, meet with Jamal True Love. No. unless she unless she needed him for a documentary because now it's trendy. Because that's part of the problem with her is that she doesn't really. What does she stand for? Like, how are you the person that did thirteenth about right. the thirteenth amendment and how the prison industrial complex is a new slavery and also did when they see us. Uh, about the Central Park Five, but to turn around and say loud and proud, I don't care about someone who played a big role in the uh, prison industrial complex uh, being right. the being the VP to the person who created an even bigger role, who did the crime bill. Like basically, there are yeah. two peas in a pod. One person created the system of incarceration, and she was the enforcement arm of it. You know, so it's like, so what was this? You were just hopping on whatever was trendy at the time. This was cool. This got you some clout. You you know, talking about the prison, you know, the same with Black Lives Matter all come up off the bodies of dead black men. And then once they get put on, they pivot to something else or they become anti-black man. Uh, same same thing. Like, like, what do you believe in? You don't believe in anything. No, she doesn't. Or, I mean, or what she does believe in is like, you know, Kamala is a part of is a part of her class. You know what I'm saying? This is all like it's interesting. They were talking about how, like, you know, this person endorsed that person. And they were like, well, so like some some rich black person is endorsing, you know, Kamala Harris. And I'm like, because that's their group, man. She's met with her. That's her people. Like, you know what I'm saying? For her, Kamala Harris becoming president fulfills a movement that she's about what representation in the major businesses this is what Ava DuVernay's whole platinum is about um plat platform is about right and she does not care about poor people like a lot of these concerns that people have about Kamala Harris come from a constituency that Ava only does tv shows about but does not hang with does not spend any time with and hasn't for a long time you know what i'm saying it's it's bullshit man like that to me is like and it's funny i see people posting it and I'm like, man, like, that's just so disrespectful. Like, 
if you want to get people on the side of this, this is not the way to do it. That's the other thing that I like. And that's the thing I've been really passionate about recently. It's like, yeah, if y'all really care about getting people to say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of hold my tongue and go vote for, for Biden saying they don't care. It's about their ego and dismissing their concerns ain't going to work. So they don't really want people to do it. They just want to be assholes. And, and, and this idea that she was just doing her job. Um, oh, it's ridiculous. She she increased the marijuana convictions way up from the liberal who uh, ran the San Francisco DA's office uh, before her. He was, yeah. she was liberal. So she wasn't just doing her job. Yeah, she was she, going she didn't above and beyond. To, yeah, she did not have to uh, be that hard on truant children and their parents. Like, I'm sorry. That was not I was just doing my job. That was literally a policy decision done by her. And she was very big into anti-marijuana, too, which yeah. is kind of funny that she, that she goes on a breakfast club and says, hey, my dad's Jamaican. Right. Uh, which, first of all, is a horrible stereotype of Jamaican people. I know. That's the only time you, you bring up uh, Jamaicans yeah. as proof and your dad is and, and your dad is known for Marxism, not weed. So, so chill out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your dad is one of those super respectable type Jamaicans. <laughs> totally. So, so he, he, and he got pissed. He, uh, yeah. he, he wrote an op-ed about that joke. He didn't find it funny at all. At I thought, no. thought that was not cute. And he yeah. put his own daughter on blast. And, and and uh, disavowed her over that, saying, yeah. you don't come from those type of people in Jamaica. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That she would traffic in that stereotype. First, that she would traffic in that stereotype uh, to you know, prove that she's uh, pro-marijuana. But second, it's a lie. She's not, everyone thinks she was pro-marijuana and no. she incorporated her dad disingenuously. Uh, but on top of that, she's not even pro-marijuana. She was rapidly anti-marijuana and ran on, and ran on that and um, before it became popular to be with white people you know of course to be uh pro marijuana you know so yeah, yeah she's 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 full of it but i mean to go back to p valley and katori yeah. hall i don't think that like i don't think p valley was i don't think it was high art but i don't think it was bad for what it intended to be i feel like it was what it was trying to be i don't think it was under any illusions about how good it was critics i'm not sure about i'm sure white critics like with everything, probably throwing like too many extras on it. But uh, I told you before we recorded, I said this kind of reminds me of a True Blood without the supernatural aspects. Yeah, you know, it's like on, on that level. But those type of shows over time tend to get bad because they're not really done with a real arc in mind. They just kind of just keep throwing um, messiness at the screen and and melodrama. It's like, it's like soap operas. Soap operas don't have a real planned couple year arc. They just. Mm-hmm hook this person up with this person, get this person pregnant with this person's baby, do this and that. And so I'm very sure like, if this show's last like two or three years, it would just kind of devolve into self-parody. But for the five episodes I saw, I mean, it, it was watchable. It's, it, was, it was, it's been renewed for a season two. Um, I, I mean, I, I look, looking at it softly, it's been really well reviewed, which is not, which doesn't surprise me. Um, it's weird. I, I, I have like I have like a I have an agreement with you with like it was like an extra add on. I can say it, it, it a lot of TV shows I turn off immediately or I check out of immediately. I didn't particularly care for this. I, I didn't think it was very good. Um, but on the flip side, I can say like there are shows that I've tried to watch that I literally couldn't watch like at all. Like, I just couldn't do it. And I, c- I could get through this. Like, like, like I'll say this. It was watchable. Mm hmm. 
I don't think it was particularly authentic. You could tell an outsider wrote it. Well, this sure. so this is what I wanted to get to. The weird thing about this show, though, is while I do agree with you that I think it's trying to go more for a camp type vibe, maybe not too camp. It's, it's not going for like a pose yeah, type yeah, camp. Yeah, 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 yeah. I won't say it's fully going for yeah, a camp, it, it, but, but it, I think it wants to be. be I, the, yeah, it wants to be. be this is the, this is what I think. I think it's going for a tone, but it doesn't. It might not be fully self aware that the tone is going for. Is camp. Yeah. So I'm sure if you ask her, she doesn't know that the tone she's going for is camp. Well, that's but- that's what I wanted to get into because I read an interview with her um, on Deadline that I thought was really interesting because there is a way that I think that I do believe she sees this as a very serious, important piece in the terms of what it can do for black and black female and black people from the south and black queer imagery right i think she thinks this is very important but the tools she's using admittedly are very like genre tools like she in in her interview she referenced a lot of like noir and stuff like that like she calls it like delta noir is a, is a, is a, is, a, is a phrase she said she coined for the show and you know she's the she, uh, de- 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 a, a, a detective type tone she thinks the show has and i could see that and i feel like she's like i really want to delve into to to, to to genre to tell the story my thing with it is it gets really soft because it is feels like a like a like a like an outfit it's wearing it doesn't really feel very breathed in like and i think they think it's breathed in because instead of making the men or white men, they make them black women with a and a and a and a, a, a black queer. I don't, I don't even know how the character Cliff is supposed to be identified. I actually I think even in in one of the interviews they talk about they say herself as Uncle Clifford. So maybe they're actually seeing Clifford as gender queer, you know, like uh, or like you know um, as a woman or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I was very confused because there was a character. Well, I don't know how deep you've gotten into it, but I think you've seen some of it. There's this character who's kind of like a closeted, yeah, like uh-huh. closeted. Uh, you can't really get a tell. At least the episodes that I saw, I, I was wondering is 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 he in the closet or is he? I don't know you're talking about. Uh, from, from what I've seen, and and this is what I think this is part of the problem too. I'm just so used to things being so shitty yeah. on straight black men that if you just show a, any bit of humanity. I, I tend to give you too much, you know, yeah, so like, yeah. when I saw how, she, how the creator looked and, and why her hobby horses were like a lot of interest in colorism, a lot of interest in uh black queer, a lot of interest in sex work. I'm like, okay, she's going to be one of these like uh, SJW Tumblr types. And she's, she's going to be hell on black men and straight black men. Are just gonna, I thought it's going to be like some kind of color purple type of thing. Yeah. And it wasn't like that. The straight black men were, not bad. Or at least they weren't worse than anybody else, you know? Well, there's something um, interesting she says in... There's something interesting she says in the interview that I thought was interesting. She said that I, I respect, actually, and, and but I actually think she's in a bit of a quagmire um, from taking this. She says, well, I don't want to demean anyone. I don't... I, I My whole aim with this show is to kind of normalize their life and not make it about judgment and so forth and so on. But her, But her tactic in doing it is just making them like 
protagonists with complications, but like they're not totally human to me. They're 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 they 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 exist as that's what as makes props. it that's what makes it metal that's what makes it melodrama yeah. to me and not drama. Like yeah. I don't know. I used to have a good definition of melodrama, and I don't and I lost it. But it was such a good definition about like uh I didn't throw it away. I didn't lose it. I just don't know where it is. Where it is. But um yeah, it's on a piece of paper. I was reading this this uh paper and, and this person is discussed the elements of melodrama and there's like uh mm-hmm. three or four um elements that make something um mel- melodrama and that's what this thing is. And and one of the things about um melodrama is people are kind of more types than they are really fully fleshed uh people like you know somebody is the the nice guy the other guy is the rake the other this woman's the oh, bad girl i think i actually know what you yeah i know you're talking about keep 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 going yeah i'm going i'm going off of off of memory you know and and the thing is like uh everything is kind of like um made into text and not subtext like everything is so all the conflicts all the dramas are kind of very very exaggerated and brought to the fore so it's kind of like stock characters engaging in uh kind of contrived exaggerated um emotions and it's not really meant to be very nuanced or everything's meant to be kind of written big and unmistakable like you know i'm jealous yeah i'm i'm um not jealous i'm happy or i I love you or i'm torn between these two things like like there's not really a lot of stuff that's meant to be read into or meant to be ambiguous everything is kind of uh just you know all subtext is rendered text and that's what i think you know this this kind of this kind of is but well like you but well like it it keeps from characterization yeah A, a big piece of melodrama is like this idea that um you know person has conflict Right. And they must discover something in the outside world um, to help them free their insides. So that's why they're constantly having. That's why that's why relationships are so big in melodramas. Right. Like they have an internal like, you know, dilemma, meaning something that needs to be fulfilled. Right. So they look for, you know. Uh, a spouse or a, a, a lover or a companion to someone to help them with it. A lot of times to make it even stronger, they'll have a companion already that's doing the opposite of that and, and, and hurting them. And the way they free themselves is to get rid of that bad companion and go to the, the good one and so forth and so on. And it's it, it becomes a very limiting scope of, of life. And like melodrama is, and I can already see it in Pea Valley, it's only ever really like superficially interested in like structures outside of the individuals yeah. it's it's never really that in, it's only superficially interested in things like structural issues that's why like you know uh more like lefty filmmakers hate melodrama because you know the, that's why you know if you got to like the, like the people like uh, like 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 John Carpenter, they would, they hated it because they felt it it um it didn't indict the uh the, the world around them. That's that that, that, that that's well, the well, real well, villain. A big, a big thing with melo, a big thing with melodrama is that it kind of buys into traditional ideas of right and wrong yep. or good or bad moralism. Like, uh, yeah yeah which is what's kind of interesting about making this into kind of a being about a strip club because i think it's kind of a tension that the, that the show has because one thing about melodrama uh, one of the elements that uh, what you said reminded me of is that characters kind of begin in a state of innocence and they have to end in a state of innocence like, like yeah. protagonists mm-hmm. like, like 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 they might fall they might get tempted they might have some kind of conflicts with like you know 
the rival or picking the being tempted by the bad guy over the good guy or having like some kind of bad girl as a rival. But um, at the end of the day, there's like a return to um, virtue at, at the end. Like like Tyler Perry, things always have that, like, you know, um, that the person either stays bad and yeah. falls, but, but someone else keeps God in their heart and, and they... Um, you know, find the good, find the good guy at the end. Or have you ever seen that um, movie with Journey, Journey Smollett by Tyler Perry? Um, Which one? It's one of the earlier it was, ones. No, it's one of the later ones. It's, I haven't. It's, it's, no, it's wonder. It's wonderfully bad. It's 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 really, it's really good. <laughs> Uh, I really like it, and and oh, oh, Temptations, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. Yeah, I haven't and, seen that uh, one. B- basically, uh, she leaves a good Christian husband to get with this bad boy, and she basically ends up strung out on drugs, doing threesomes, oh. AIDS, and and the and the good guy ends up becoming like a small town pharmacist and has a nice, humble but successful life with his new Christian wife. You know, so, and she kind of. Um, had to suffer with her AIDS and she learns the hard way. But you know, Oh, I read like- I read about this one. This is the one that I read about that I know a lot of people were really up in arms about the AIDS thing. Yeah. I read about this. Yeah, I I I loved it. It it, it was just so Isn't isn't Kardashian bad. in that? Oh yeah, Kim yeah. Kardashian's in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean I mean it's just it's just really a howler. Like it's just <laughs> it's really I mean I mean I, I full confession, I've seen just about every Tyler Perry stage play up until like maybe the last couple. Uh, Cause I've seen them on video, like, like filmed versions. I wanted to say, like, you I, wouldn't saw them? Wow. Okay. No, you got them on video. I mean, okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, I kind of would. I, yeah. I, I, if somebody would go with me, I, I would go because I want to be in the audience. Honestly, I, don't I, know. I would go to one just to know what it's like. Yeah. I don't know. Something about them I strangely like. I don't know if I'm liking it ironically or earnestly, but something about them, but I know they're bad. But, I like them. So I've seen this, the movie version. I mean, I've seen the play version yeah. of this. And the play version of this is not as crazy as the, the movie version. He, he just went nuts. <laughs> he, he just went, I don't know what kind of narcotic he was on. He just went went nuts on that one but but uh i mean it's still the same thing there's still that weird like melodrama return to innocence and you know uh because she kind of comes home to her family after it's all said and done but even though she's a fallen woman but you know the the husband's moved on but he doesn't hate her but he has his new but he had to go he had to go through hell and back trying to keep her off the narcotic and uh i don't remember she got aids and i mean there's a lot of aids in his stuff too yeah anyway aids is kind of like a plague that is a punishment for being bad which is like you said very probably yeah it's interesting when you when uh, i i definitely feel the the melodrama the melodrama hinge to this show which is interesting because it it makes me actually curious about her plays not in a positive way to be honest with you it actually makes me go um this is clearly a writer for me who is interested in like people in these cliche ways that are of like old way like think ways that we thought about people i think like decades and decades and decades ago right and and it's it's not very nuanced which is weird because she sees this as a way to like give black people particularly black women more nuance and i find it uh, a slippery slope because you know she she says you know the issue she thinks she says in, in her thing how like the um Right. She says, 
end quote, right? The fact that this story is told from their perspective and we and we see the world through their eyes really embrace the storyteller, storytelling that centers on the female gaze. We've seen the male gaze of this type of show, right? I think about The Sopranos. Tony's always talking to some gangster rolling up in his club and women are in the back. They're just bodies. We don't see their faces. We just see their breasts moving in soft focus in the background. Strippers have always been in the backdrop to a man's story versus it being... Uh, about them. I want to provide people who have been historically marginalized with a space for them to honestly, authentically talk for them to honestly, authentically talk and about their own stories. So the weird thing about it to me is this. I totally understand the whole idea of gazing in art. And I agree with uh, a lot of the analysis of it, though I think it's a bit short-sighted. And there's a reason why I think it's short-sighted. The issue is this. If, If these genres were also made of that gaze so just changing the gaze doesn't actually change the structure of it it's still a very male type of thing the actual structure so what you're doing is you're just actually you're all you're making them is is protagonists but you're actually not changing the structure of the gaze and 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 the genre itself like like melodrama really kind of buys into the idea of right or wrong sin being sin being punished virtue being rewarded um things things like that all she's done is just change the definition of virtuous so now stripping the virtue and being anti-stripper is uh Device, which, you know, which, so, I think, which, I think, which I think makes for a boring TV show. I actually think the show is more interesting if you don't know what the, the to me it should still be debated, right? And, and yeah, yeah, but but that leads to kind of an, another issue, right? Yeah, which is that the we say about that interview, and I kind of hate this about this kind of new black representation crowd because first off, she's definitely, regardless of what you think about her quality, I think it's safe to say she's definitely on the representational side of things, where she's kind of kind of thing that thinks representation is the highest uh good so so it's like you said just making the black woman protagonist is supposed to be enough to redeem uh the black women you know uh definitely the representation side but one thing i really hate about the representation people is that they have a very bad habit erasing as much stuff that came before them as possible to exaggerate the novelty of what they've done because uh easter does it all the time easter says stuff like yeah you know uh it was very hard to find something that just has a black woman who's not like suddenly beautiful and perfect or black people who aren't like Beyonce or other godly mm-hmm. or, or or like thugs and just I'm like that is not true like UPN's whole lineup like half and half and one on one just full of, full of regular ass yeah. black people like like you didn't invent I mean even girlfriend she was a high powered lawyer but she was like awkward and, and weird like 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 I feel like um, or so like rock I, I feel like people forget rock ever existed you know what I'm saying yeah <laughs> like, and, and it was really good too it was a really good show people act like rock never happened yeah but, but i mean i mean there were people who were there were awkward uh black people on things but they yeah. always do that i mean living I single like they were kind of awkward you know like kim kim cole kim cole's character like really awkward yeah. and strange and funny and quirky come on man stop acting like this is new shit yeah yeah you didn't like invent invent this yeah and I think she's doing the same thing with the um stripper thing like there, there's ice cubes play, player club yeah. i mean he he may not be the right click that you want it to be from you know you don't want it to be from a uh 
straight, straight black guy who did gangster rap and debased women, you know, in some of his songs. I, I, I get I get that. Uh, well, but, their, their issue I mean, would be the fact that, yeah, that Ice Cube is the director. So even though the exactly the, the center character of it is a woman played by Lisa Ray, right? Lisa Ray. Lisa played, Ray, yeah. Yeah, she played the center. And I honestly I haven't seen Players Club since it came out. I don't remember it. But for them, the fact that Ice Cube is the director and the writer, it totally nullifies it as the possibility of it being a story that is, you know, that that is empowering women because it's a man made made made, made the story, which I get. But on but, the flip but, side, but, but, there's issues but, with that. But the court you said, the court you said didn't even say empowering. You just said that you know have them as uh, the the court that you read said that uh, had women be the main figures yeah. in the stripper story. So the stripper story has always been about the man. I'm like, no. I mean, forget about empowering. Just what she said about um, um, who the protagonist is. The women are the point of the story in uh, Players Club. The the men are just kind of like, it's kind of like a, a reverse um, Bechdel test where yeah. uh, the men are just there in reference to the women. All the men are only there in conversations about women or whatever. And honestly, I think Players Club actually probably had a little more nuance, I think, to the characterization than, than uh, people remember. All right, y'all. So that is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good. Be good.